0: Welcome listeners. I'm Suzanne Feeney, a pharmacist at CE Impact. We are thrilled to partner with Dr. Wall each week to produce this podcast. We hope you'll continue to listen in every Tuesday. Episodes always drop by 5 a.m. And pharmacists, you can earn up to 26 hours of CE a year just by listening in every Tuesday. Today's podcast episode is supported by an educational grant from Zellia Pharmaceuticals, a specialty pharmaceutical company focused on providing important anti-infective treatments against serious and often life-threatening infections. Game Changers creates awareness of trends, laws, pharmacotherapy, and medical practice changes that can significantly impact pharmacy. Let's listen in to today's episode. Hello and welcome again to another episode of Game Changers Clinical Conversations. I am your host Jeff Wall, uh, Professor of Pharmacy Practice at Drake University. Welcome uh, again to hopefully another semi-quick, uh, semi-entertaining, and semi-informative podcast that has everything to do with uh, with pharmacotherapy and, and medicine and and yes, we we try to target pharmacists because I'm a pharmacist myself, but but certainly we hope that, that this is information that that all healthcare providers that deal with medications can can use and and, and use in their daily practice really. So. Uh, uh, if you're a first listening to us, thanks very much for taking the time to listen to us. If you're a frequent listener, thank you as well. Uh, if you haven't had a chance, please go to where you get your podcasts. Uh, be sure and 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 uh, subscribe to us, like us. Uh, however, you get to show your your support, we really appreciate it. Um, the big way you can show support, remember that this is uh, the, these shows are produced by CE Impact. Please head over to CE Impact and, and take a look at some of their great CE uh, packages, including ours, where you can actually get uh, CE for just listening to me blab and and and. And answering a question, but uh, even if you don't like listening to me blab and, and answering a question, uh, you know there's many other great CE packages. They're timely, they're accurate, they're and, and very uh, very affordable as well. So uh, please head on over. It Helps us keep the lights on as well here, and, and it helps us keep doing this. So today we are going to talk about uh, Clostridium difficile. Oh, I'm sorry, Clostridioides. See, so you, see, so you get to be an old man, and uh, it, it was you know I knew him when he was Clostridium. Now he's now he's Clostridioides. I, I you know I, sometimes. I think the taxonomists just literally like sit around a, a, a table and go, you know, I think we're just going to screw with, with with clinicians and and change the name. So you know, it isn't it isn't it isn't uh, PCP anymore. It's PJP. You know, it is it isn't Clostridium anymore. It's clusteroidy. So however you want to say it, I'm just going to call it C diff because that's that, that helps cover me other way. In uh, March of 2020, the Infectious Disease Society of America came up with a quality improvement measure that was largely based on their 2017 guideline for the diagnosis and treatment of C diff, um, but it also had some updated information, and that to me, that, that made it a, a, a good time to kind of talk about uh, Clostridium difficile as kind of the other epidemic. I mean, we don't want to forget about the uh, other epidemics that have been plaguing us uh, despite the pandemic that has dominated our lives, and, and C. diff is certainly uh, one of those things. We all know it's a major health problem. Uh, it's it's a pretty big cause of mortality. Um, in 2015, um, there was a, a paper that suggested that 35,000 people in the United States died from Clostridium difficile seal. And, you know, I, I think that's one of the things, especially if you're an older clinician myself, like myself, you remember when C. diff, you know, when I came out of school, C. diff was, yeah, it was, it was annoyance. Maybe the occasional super immunocompromised patient got super sick from it. But on the whole, most people did fine with it. You know, yeah, you always read the horror stories of toxic megacolon and people's colons exploding like balloons and stuff like that. But you hardly ever saw it. And most people got a little diarrhea. We stopped the antibiotic, put them on some Flagyl, They were good to go. And as we all know, that has completely changed in the last 30 years to where, where Clostridium difficile is now a major pathogen, uh, a major nosocomial pathogen, also a major community pathogen. That's the other big thing that's changed is, is that is that uh, people in the community can get it without even having exposure to antibiotics, though, of course, that is the number one risk factor for developing C. diff. Um, you know, so, so it, it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a disease that has, has always bothered people, I think, when they got antibiotics. But we went from news. To killer in, in, in the space of about 25 years. That, of course, is, is because of, uh, of uh, new uh, strains of the organism producing uh, these, these hyperpotent toxins that basically just chew the, 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 the GI tract up, particularly the, the large intestine. So, uh, as I said in 2020, I think to help with, with adherence and helping as, as kind of a benchmark for people to to treat and, and diagnose C. diff, uh, the, the Infectious Disease Society of America came up with, the, with this kind of uh, clinical. Uh, or this quality uh, uh, package that you can actually go to their website and download for free. And it tells you all about, you know, some of the kind of the checklist things that you should be looking at when it comes to C. diff diagnosis and treatment. Um, At my hospital, I think we tried to implement most of the stuff without even having to have the quality measure on us. I think, I think my infectious disease group and myself and the clinical pharmacist, you know, really did try to, to to, to implement this stuff as quickly as we possibly could. Um, It is worth noting that in the C. diff uh, guidelines from 2017, there are some important uh, omissions not because I think they purposely um, uh, didn't talk about things they just felt like there literally wasn't enough literature to really discuss one way or another so we'll try and touch on a little bit of that because I think those are questions I get asked quite frequently uh, certainly when it comes to diagnosis that has changed um, you know in, in the old days we used to check uh, you know uh, fecal leukocytes uh, those older uh, clinicians may be hearing my voice and may go yeah I remember that and, you know we used to check uh, stool for white blood cells we used to check uh, uh, and then and then of course we had to actually do a, a, a toxin assay that took forever and often was days before we got back and stuff like that. Of course, in the world of, of, of PCR uh, technology, that has vastly changed, and now we can we can get uh, a, a PCR for toxigenic C. diff and stool actually very quickly. And and not only is it a separate test, but it's also part of a of the film stool array that I suspect most large hospitals have. And and it's uh, very sensitive and specific. In fact, it might even be a little bit oversensitive because it does a very Good job of, of identifying if patients are colonized with the C. diff bug that could produce toxin, but it doesn't necessarily mean that that C. diff organism is in fact producing toxin. And so, uh, to help increase both sensitivity and specificity, uh, the the quality measure as well as the guidelines recommend that that most people should 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 use a two-step test. So a single uh, single-step test is kind of lacking in sensitivity and specificity. And so uh, uh, nowadays, what uh, most uh, U.S. labs Laboratories will use uh, the highly sensitive nucleic acid amplification tests, and then that will tell you yes. In fact, this patient has has the organism that could produce the toxin. And then the second step test in many hospitals and it is is then the enzyme immunoassay testing to actually look for the toxin. Now, you know, again, you know, no test is perfect, and 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 just because somebody has a, a you know a, a Negative test of, of one side or another. If you know, you do have to look at the patient. You have to, you have to, you have to kind of correlate what's going on with the patient with what's going on with the testing. But the purpose of the two-step testing really is to is to decrease the overuse of, of, of these antibiotics to treat C. Diff. Uh, so far, we haven't seen a lot of of resistance. Um, to, for example, oral vancomycin. Oral vancomycin has really been one of the drugs of choice for for Clostridium difficile. Uh, for you know, again, 40 plus years, and we haven't seen a, a big rise of resistance. But still, it makes sense to to avoid patients having the expense, et cetera, et cetera, of, of taking these medications. Uh, when we really start talking about expense, we start talking about some of these new medications that are, that are coming along here. So, uh, the the quality guidelines basically say that that the first step then is 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 the laboratory should should only test non-form stool because form stool is much less likely uh, to be uh, to, to to be C diff. And so, uh, the, one of the one of the quality package measures basically says, you know, that there should be a plan in place that that the laboratory really only accepts for testing this two-step testing for C diff, that the, 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 that there's that there's unformed stool. So that, that's that's one of the one of the big things. Um, the other thing that the guidelines or the, the uh, quality measure points out is that we should probably not test people who are receiving lots of laxatives. <laughs> that kind of makes sense. Um, that sounds ridiculous. Why would someone you know who's now complaining of diarrhea you know you know we would sure certainly surely check to see if they've had uh, laxatives on their mar they've been taking them I will tell you that that's not been my experience that certainly We've had a couple of cases, uh, you know, I think every year we have a couple of cases where someone gets a C. diff test and someone really just takes a hard look at their MAR and says, well, you know, they have been getting, you know, Miralax twice a day for the last week, or they have been getting, you know, Senna or whatever. And 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 it's like, so, you know, looking to, to come up with other reasons why someone might have diarrhea just just before deciding to go to C. diff certainly makes sense. These tests aren't inexpensive. Uh, in particular, the, uh, the stool film eraser are quite pricey. Um, in fact, all the film array tests are, are quite pricey. See. And so again, if if you can if you can you know do a little detective work before that, you might be able to, to to save the patient even just the cost of the test, I think kind of certainly makes sense. And and but again that being said, we don't want to miss patients who have C diff because we certainly want to treat them. As far as treatment is concerned, um, again, the 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 quality measure points out the fact that 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 is uh, largely gone bye by. Um, it isn't that flagell doesn't have some efficacy against uh, a C diff, as we all know it does. It's that you know several studies really throughout the the, the early 2000s and and, and early 2010s suggested that that vancomycin was 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 more effective in in first overall treatment, but much more importantly in decreasing the risk for recurrence. And in the end, that's what's become I think one of the big issues with with C. diff is recurrence. It's, you know, it's not so much that they will not, you know, that they will succumb or die to this first infection. It's just that the number one risk factor for having multiple bouts of C. diff is your first bout of C. diff. And so if you have uh, a C. diff associated uh, disease, you are much more likely to have a recurrence rate. And that recurrence rate kind of varies depending on the study you read, but uh, they say at least 20% of people who have an initial episode of, of, of C. diff infection will have a recurrence. And then if you have a first recurrence, that the chances of you going on having a second recurrence it raises above to 50%. And if you have a second recurrence, then the number just goes up and up and up. So it seems that in, in a population of patients that, that if we don't initially capture them and, and really and really uh, do a good job of treating them, they're at high risk for for multiple recurrences. And that can lead to, again, you know, multiple hospitalizations, it can lead to death, uh, you know, and and, and I, I have seen people die eye of, of, of C diff overwhelming C diff infection and they aren't all you know profoundly immunosuppressed patients many of them you know didn't have a whole lot of other risk factors or problems so um, you know so again it isn't that flagyl isn't a good drug it's just that it's probably inferior to, to vancomycin in uh, in in uh, causing recurrence in particular so the initial episode uh, uh, according to the quality measure of course is vancomycin 125 four times a day for 10 days um, they do push up uh, the the the, the uh, use of, of fidaxomicin in the in the quality measure and in the guidelines too. Uh, I have not had a ton of experience with fidaxomicin just because up and you know it's it's always been a horrendously expensive medication that many insurance companies just wouldn't pay for. So uh, it was always a nice idea, but it, but it just it, you know it, it, many insurance companies wouldn't pay for it, and many patients were not about to pay what was at the time anywhere from fifteen hundred to twenty two hundred dollars out of pocket for a ten day course of antibiotics. Now the price has gone down some and. And certainly, the the company that makes fidaxomycin I think has done a better job of trying to make it available to to the average person uh, with various and sundry coupons and and, and discount cards and, and copay cards and things like that. But it's still you know vastly more expensive than than Mancomycin, whose price really kind of plummeted once the the uh, the oral liquid form was was commercially available. It's again not a cheap antibiotic. It's nothing like you know penicillin or am- amoxicillin from a cost perspective. But it's again it's much more affordable today than it was. Even two or three years ago, so, so uh, you know, I would still say that vanco is probably going to be your 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 way to go. Remember that it all is only oral vanco. Oral vanco does not get out of the GI tract, and intravenous vanco does not get into the GI tract. So, so giving IV vanco for a C. Diff uh, infection makes uh, very little, if if no sense, as as you might imagine. Um, uh, one of the things that the guidelines. Uh, didn't do was was stratify uh, you know uh, patients by by different things along the lines of, of of how severe it is, except that they divided the guidelines into you know basically mild to moderate versus versus you know fulminant, basically you know critically ill patients who are hypotensive in the ICU, things like that. Those patients, uh, critically ill patients, uh, re- do receive again uh, a vancomycin, but it's at a higher dose, 500 milligrams four times a day, plus uh, you also receive intravenous uh, metronidazole at 500 milligrams to eight. Um, I've—I'll be honest that that has that, been the recommendation of IDSA for many years. I've never seen any data that suggests there's any synergistic effect between Flagyl and and Banco. Um and and uh, so I've—I've—I've—I've I've, I've, I've always certainly got along with the, with the, with that recommendation. But I've—I've—I've I've, I've really been ever been at pains to figure out to find any studies that actually supported that recommendation. But it is what we do. So and it is what the guidelines recommend. So it it is what we do. Um, the other piece I would say for those working in a hospital is, you know, if you're at the point where somebody's in the ICU with overwhelming C. diff, don't dawdle in getting surgery involved. Um, I, I've, I've been guilty of this myself, um, I think, over the years where we, you know, we've said, well, we'll just treat them and they'll get better and they'll get better and they'll get better and then they don't get better. <laughs> and really the only thing that was really going to save their life in, in some of those patients uh, was, was uh, you know uh, basically a colectomy. And rather than waiting until they're on death's door to make the decision about, about getting a colectomy, you know, I think this is like necrotizing fasciitis where you just want to get surgery involved early. Have them take a look at the patient. Have them on board to, to to make a decision about you know, hey, you know, if the patient doesn't turn around in the next couple of days, th- this is probably the best time uh, to try and take their colon out because that will cure the infection because you're you're getting source control. Um, um, so it it is something to think about and it's 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 a, pro- a problem that I've been guilty of over the years as well. So um, you know, that, anyway, so so that's that that that's something to think about for 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 severe or fulminant. For the outpatient pharmacist, you're probably not going to see obviously a lot of that, at I hope, I hope you don't. Um, but you will see a lot of patients with recurrence of CDI. Um, and, and what the guidelines recommend is for the re- first recurrence of, of CDI, if they were taking Flagyl, the quality uh, measure says, okay, if they were taking Flagyl, go to Vanco, obviously, at that point. But most of these patients are already going to have been on Vanco. So you really have you know two choices. You can do a prolonged Vancomycin pulse taper. Um, and this is basically giving Vancomycin over the course of about six weeks. The theory about this is that because because clostridioides, excuse me, see, difficile, is, uh, it comes in, in both a sporulated form and then an active form that if you if you give the dose over six weeks, you can even knock out some of the spore form, which may be resistant to, to in a sporulated form, may be resistant to antibiotics as it opens up from the sporulated form you might actually might see that happen so uh, there's numbers of pulses uh, uh, and tapers out there almost everybody uses the so-called johns hopkins pulse uh, which is a, a six-week taper where you take it you know four times a day then three times a day then two times a day and then once a day then every other day for a few days each day until you're basically off of it um, it would uh, be reasonable to consider fidax at this point um, again assuming that you could afford it uh, there was at least one study that suggested that fidax did have less uh, recurrences than vancomycin. it was interesting uh that that uh, it was only in in uh, um uh, strains of, of of C of of Clostridioides uh, that that had a certain um, uh, toxin production profile, but still, you know, you're, you're not going to be able to know that in, in the general patient. So I think that's that's re- it would be reasonable to do. I think to use And I think you're also going to start to see more fidaxomycin used for the community pharmacists because uh, one of the uh, uh, many many problems with 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 the COVID pandemic has been that fecal microbiota, microbiota transplants have really ground to a halt uh, because obviously. Uh, uh, COVID can be transmitted in 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 uh, the the GI tract, and so trying to figure out a way to safely uh, collect and or store and or or deliver uh, uh, fecal transplants has now become almost impossible. So again, uh, uh, many places have just stopped doing fecal transplants. We have here at at, at in our GI group here, and you know, the two GI groups here in Des Moines have essentially stopped doing fecal transplants uh, during the COVID crisis. So uh, that that's going to be a real problem because for the second or recurrent. Uh, other recurrence of CDI, uh, if you haven't gotten the the prolonged taper, they do recommend that the fecal microbiota transplant is probably your first line, and we do have good studies suggesting that FMT uh, really works. Um, it, it some response rates suggest them as high as 80 to 85 percent response rate. There's certainly the ick factor involved with 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 transplanting stool from one person to another, um, especially because in some cases uh, the the tra- the transplant occurs orally. They put an NG tube down and and, and deliver it uh, That's 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 not the normal course of things. Um, In most places, they do deliver it by colonoscopy. But, you know, again, yeah, there's definitely the ick factor involved there. Um, uh, There's uh, a company in Boston, Open Microbiome, that has really kind of become the – poop R us, if you will, uh, for, uh, for, for, st- for collecting this stuff and then, and then distributing it to, to hospitals or, and, and GI, GI, uh, practices for, for use. Um, uh, they have again, ran into some, some, real problems during, during this. And so, because FMT rates have, have really dropped, I think you are going to see more people on, on I think you're going to see more people on prolonged courses of vancomycin. Uh, there was even one study that the guidelines talk about, which is uh, vancomycin with a rifaximin chaser so again another unbelievably expensive antibiotic treatment regimen that that is something that that uh, that you might see as well if you're the community pharmacist so um a couple things that the guidelines don't mention and, and even the updated uh, uh quality measures don't mention or qu- things that i think pharmacists get asked all the time about like the first is probiotics do probiotics either prevent or treat c diff and i you know i think the guidelines kind of you know punted on it because there really isn't a lot of data that's really hard and, and fast added to, to, to really hang your hat on if my reading of the data suggests that, that, that uh, probiotics may help prevent C. diff. You know, if you had someone who you thought was at high risk, uh, you could put them on probiotics as long as they're not Im- uh, very immunocompromised, and that might prevent them from getting C. diff, but it seems to have little effect in treating C. diff. So um, I probably would not use um, um, uh, 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 probiotics to treat C. diff. Um, what about a patient who's had a, had recent C. diff who now needs antibiotics for, for another reason? And I see this all the time, or someone had uh, C. diff a month ago, and now they have a urinary tract infection and there's a couple things you can do certainly you want to pick antibiotics if at all possible that have the narrower spectrum so you know try not to pick you know the the, the antibiotics that are most likely to cause C diff like quinolones uh, third generation ce- second and third generation cephalosporins uh, carbapenem stuff like that you know may try to narrow your therapy as much as possible uh, some have argued that 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 uh, if it's possible to use tetracycline based antibiotics which it may or may not be depending on the infection they have a very very low risk of causing C. diff. So that might be something to consider. Again, it just kind of depends on the infection you're talking about. Uh, there's been a couple of studies that have suggested that perhaps low-dose vancomycin during the course of this other antibiotic, so 125, you know, uh, uh twice or three times a day might be beneficial, and we certainly do that here at my hospital. Again, it's not based on really great data, but um, again, just trying to protect these people from getting a recurrence. And then uh, the other thing, I think the hospital pharmacists in particular, uh, though the community pharmacists I think can certainly keep an eye out for, is if someone's being treated for C. diff, uh, do note if they're on a proton pump inhibitor. Uh, We know that proton pump inhibitors uh, seem to increase the risk for recurrence, and so if the patient doesn't absolutely need to be on the proton pump inhibitor they didn't have a gi bleed two weeks ago let's say they're just taking it for, for GERD or something like that you know it would probably be reasonable to step down at least temporarily while you're being treated for C. dip down from the proton pump inhibitor to perhaps an h2 blocker if they can tolerate that just for 10 to 10 days it's you know hopefully they can hang on for 10 days and then after that go back up uh one study that was published in ajhp a few years ago did suggest that that would that did seem to decrease the risk for for occurrence again in just a retrospective study sort of thing so so that's kind of the the, the latest update on C diff. And again, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's something you're going to see, you know, outpatient, inpatient um, it, it, we shouldn't forget about this epidemic as, as COVID has, has gone over us. And I think uh, COVID h- has made some changes in what was pretty much the standard of care, which was again, the, the, the big drop in, 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 uh, a fecal transplant run rates. So that I think it, you're going to see uh, is going to force the hand of, of a lot of physicians and in, in prescribing, particularly for where they probably wouldn't have done that before. So. Anyway, so that kind of wraps up talking about C. Diff. We'll be back in a second to totally wrap things up. But first, a word from our producer, C. E. Impact. Game Changers discusses clinical guidelines and pharmacotherapy trends that significantly impact practice. Game Changers is produced and accredited by C. E. Impact and hosted by Dr. Jeff Wall. New episodes are released each week and available for pharmacy continuing education credit to C. E. Impact subscribers. CE Impact subscription service brings you the CE you need on the topics that matter the most. Check out the link to sign up in the show notes. Use code PODCAST for a Pharmacy Podcast Network discount. So, so, so not the prettiest topic, but, but something we see all the time um, is clostridioides. And, and so, uh, uh, you know, be aware of it. Another good reason to pr- practice antimicrobial stewardship, don't blast patients with antibiotics when you don't need to. But when you do get it, um, you know, the, the uh, IDSA uh, quality measures, I think, are a great place to go to have kind of a one-stop shop for how you, you know, want to use the best evidence to diagnose and treat the disease. And you know, again, most people do great with it, but it's those poor patients who get four, five, six, seven recurrences that you always feel really bad for. So that's it for this week. Um, next week, uh, we'll see what we'll see. What we're going to probably continue our uh, our uh, uh, ID course and see if, see how how long we can talk about infectious disease topics, not necessarily talking about COVID directly. Uh, again, thank you for listening. If you get a chance, again, head over to where you get your podcast, give us a like, uh, get, you know, spread the word, tell all your friends, and again, head to see Impact. Uh, Sign up for their great uh, programs and uh, uh, definitely get your CE for even this program here. This is Jeff Wall. I'll catch you next week. But remember, until then, time flies. I don't know where it's going, but the most important day is today. Take care.